for downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. I'm going to bring a message um, from a passage of scripture that is probably not that familiar to you. I'm going to speak from Isaiah 61. That was a, that's just seeing if anybody's awake. And you're probably saying to me, oh, we know this passage off by heart because it's our, you know, it's your scripture, isn't it? I saw it in the prayer room at the back. But maybe Jack's preached on it a million times, Sue, and you guys have heard this message and you're thinking we know this. But maybe I'll bring a little bit of an angle that you've perhaps not either heard before or how many of you know when you reread a passage of scripture that we've read hundreds of times before something new comes he says it's because God's word is a living word it doesn't go old it doesn't it doesn't stop revealing truth to us so we're going to read together I don't know whether it's the same translation as you've got this message is called the divine exchange and we'll read together Um, either read your own or read from the screen. I'll read it and we can just listen. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness to the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness. A planting of the Lord. For the display of his splendor, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And I'll just finish there uh, because it goes on and it's a wonderful um, chapter, isn't it? The prophet Isaiah speaking to the people and speaking forwards to the fulfillment of that prophecy when Jesus comes. And of course, in Luke, we read that Jesus opens the scroll in the temple. And of all the Old Testament passages, he could have read from, but he chooses to read from Isaiah 61. And of course, the fulfillment of that is within him. He is the one who comes to bring good news to the poor, to bind the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. But of course, then he gives that commission to the church. And the first thing is to just to say a little bit about what is preaching good news to the poor. It says the spirit of, of the sovereign Lord is on me, for I, I have come to preach good news to the poor and that now is the commission of the church and it's the commission of freedom center to preach good news to the poor but when you think about preaching it's the word evangel or the word to announce or the word to proclaim you often think of the person standing up at the front don't you like myself now, or it's Jack or Sue or whoever's on your preaching team or your visiting preacher. It's the person who stands behind the pulpit who preaches, right? 
But actually, it means a lot more than that because every single one of you is a preacher. You know, you, you may not stand at the front. You may not be comfortable with that. That might not be your gift. But you are preachers because you are signposting people to Jesus Christ by the way that you live your life. And sometimes, uh, dare I say it, the way that we live our lives and our acts of compassion are more powerful preaching than the words that we say. Amen? Because, you know... People don't. Nece- people are not necessarily ready to hear a three-point sermon. Average retention span is a few minutes, and unless you can get your testimony over in three minutes, and that's a good thing to do, by the way, have a three-minute testimony ready. They haven't got the attention span to listen to a three-point sermon like we get in church on a Sunday, but they have got an attention span to look at the way that you're living your life, how you are as a neighbor, how you are as a colleague at work, how you are as a pupil at school or at college or at uni. They they are looking at you and you are signposting them to Jesus. And I just love the fact that there's been an explosion across the UK churches of acts of compassion, justice, mercy ministries, things like CAP, Christians Against Poverty, things like food bank. It's sad that we need food banks, but with over 450 food banks across the UK being run by churches. We've got rock projects that, have, you know, that we do after school youth clubs. We do mentoring projects. We do loads of stuff. You do love Preston. These are signposting people to Jesus just in case you needed to be theologically convinced that this is part of the gospel. This is preaching good news to the poor, the way that you live your life, the way that you are at work. So I want to talk a little bit about the the release of keys today, Um, a little bit about the way that God has uniquely designed you, um, your gifts, your skills, and... um, He's given you a key, as it were, to unlock somebody's life or to unlock a situation which nobody else can unlock. Nobody else lives next door to your neighbor. Nobody else sits in a desk next door to your colleague at work. It's only you. And that's not to put you under pressure, but that's to say, will the Holy Spirit give me a key that I can help this person sitting next to me by sharing something that is relevant to their life. I used to work with a girl called Stella. She was a full-on Christian. She'd been brought up in a Christian home, not like myself. And we worked in a health food shop. And somebody came in one day and said, it's a lovely day, isn't it, to us as um, we, we were serving behind the counter. And Stella said, not if you're going to hell, it isn't. And I'm like, I'm trying to learn from her because I'm a new Christian and I'm thinking, um, is this what evangelism is? And I'm, I, but some, something in me knew it wasn't quite right. I'm thinking that is not much good news, is it? And, and she was, bless her, she was a fantastic girl. Uh, she honestly thought that was the way to evangelize. And I, I'm not criticizing her, but I just thought there's probably a better way. Because how many of you know in the Bible it says it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. And when we're kind to people, there's something irresistible about it that breaks down the barriers. So each one of you has got a gift, a skill, it might be sport. How are you using your sport 
to um, help somebody else come to know about Jesus. My youngest son, Matthew, just come back from Australia, and he's, he's one of my four children that isn't really um, uh, at church at the moment. So it's a big prayer thing for us right now. Um, he's just disengaged with church when he went to university. Um, that, that often happens, and I'm really praying him right back in right now. But just to share with you, our church has got a football team called Ivy Cosmos. Don't know how they came up with that. Our church, our church is called Ivy Cottage, or it was Ivy Cottage, it's called Ivy Church now. And we have a football team called Ivy Cosmos, and he has started going to that football team, that football you know, they play twice a week, they train and they play. And he absolutely loves it. And he's met two guys. He's also really into music. And he's got a band called Fool Child. And it's not a Christian band, but he's, it's really good. You know, I'm very proud of him. He's very gifted. He used to lead worship um, when he was in church. And he's, got, he's, he's gone to the football because that's relevant to his life. And then he's met two Christians at the football who are musicians. And they've invited him to hang out with them. How good is that? How good is God? It's a work in progress. We don't know what's happening, what is actually going to happen, except we're praying. But do you know what? God does, because God knows the passion of your friends. Whether it's music, whether it's cookery, whether it's crafts, whether it's sport. There's a connection point. So I want you to be saying, as I'm speaking, what is my connection point to reach this person? It's like the woman at the well. Jesus starts talking to her about something that's relevant. So finding out what your key is, how to unlock. So there's a particular photograph on the screen of a particular key, and I want to tell you the story of this key. It's a true story of something happened. I got invited to go and preach at Queen's Park Baptist Church in Glasgow um, a few years ago, and it was it was the, the the weekend. It was a weekend's conference, and it was called "Calling a City Back to Life," which was a great passion of mine. Calling a city back to life. And my friend, who's an intercessor, Wendy, goes with me um, on my trips. She said, um, she didn't know what I was going to be speaking about, but she said, Deborah, I'm going to go down to Timson's and ask them if they've got any keys. So she goes down to Timson's, asks for some keys, and they gave her a big bag of keys. And she, t- she said, we're just going to give the keys out at the conference. I just believe it's going to be connected with what you're speaking about. So on the Saturday, we speak about calling a city back to life. Um, there's loads of different churches there. And at the end, we gave out these keys from out of this Timpson's bag, just random door keys, window keys, any kind of keys that nobody wants anymore. Completely useless, but symbolic of what God has been saying today. Put the key in your Bible, put the key in your purse, carry it around with you in your pocket to remind you of what God has said to you today. That is all I thought it was. But my friend Wendy's a bit more spiritual than me. She's going, now these keys are really significant. So the next day I go to preach on the Sunday morning and I, I, for the first time ever, preached on Isaiah 61. And at the end of the sermon... Um, this lady came walking up the aisle and she was an asylum seeker from Syria and she'd lost her whole family. 
and come to seek asylum in Glasgow. And this church had welcomed her in. She couldn't speak very good English. And she had the key in her hand that we'd given her the day before. And I took a photograph of it, and it's that key that's on the screen. And she's shaking, and she said to me in broken English, I just want to thank you for giving me this key. This key is so precious to me. I said, why? Why is it so precious? She said, because the initials on the key are the initials of my name. Now, I have seen a few miracles in my time, but I've never quite seen a miracle like that where the initials on a key are randomly given to a lady and it happens to be the initials of her name. And then she said this, so I've lost everything, she said, And I come to the lowest point of my life. But then yesterday when you gave me the key, God said to me, I know your name. I know your name. I've got you. I've got this. And there's a key that was unique for her that was going to communicate to her that you... I'm with you. You know, he's with you in the valley of the shadow of death. He's with you. His rod and his staff comfort you and he knows your name. And that released something in me of the power of the Holy Spirit to use a unique key that you have to unlock somebody's life, to bring healing, to bring transformation, to bring his love, to bring his revelation. Um, A few months afterwards, we were back in Glasgow launching rock at the Royal Concert Hall. We had 1,500 people there from all over Scotland. We hired the Royal Concert Hall. We had Sally Magnuson from the BBC presenting it. We had Midgeore performing. If you don't know who Midgeore is, you're too young. (laughs) Only older people seem to know who Midgeore is. Ultravox. Um... He's not a Christian. He stayed behind two hours after the event had finished asking me about my faith because he was so impacted by the event. He'd been put off church, actually, by an experience that he'd had. Many people may have have a negative experience of church because something bad has happened to them in their upbringing. We need, we need to be there to redeem that situation and to transform that situation. And I've even found myself saying, I'm really, really sorry for the negative experience you've had in church. But that's human beings who let us let God down and let us down. But I can tell you now that Jesus Christ is not like that. He loves you and he's got a plan for your life and he knows your name. So this lady from Queen's Park Baptist Church, a different lady, comes running up to me saying, I want to tell you the story about a key you gave me a few months ago. And I'm thinking, oh, great, this is another key story. I'm really, really excited to hear what she had to say. And she said, so I'm a primary school teacher. Is any teachers in the house? Give us a wave. No, no, but they're all upstairs. (laughs) They're all upstairs. Bless the teachers, Lord, in Jesus' name. So she comes up to me. She said, I'm a primary school teacher, and I've told my children that I'm a Christian. 
um, as far as I'm able. I've told them that I'm a Christian and I've tried to share my faith with them. And she said, but on Saturday, on the Saturday, you'd given me a key. And on the Monday morning, I took my key into work and I had it in my bag. And she said, we've got a cupboard in our classroom where we've lost the key. And the key is gone and the cupboard is so nice, we don't want to break into it. So we just leave it there as a piece of furniture, but we can't actually get into the cupboard. And she said, I stood there on the Monday morning and I just knew that I'd been given a key for a reason. So I stood in front of the school and at a class and I said, you know, I'm a Christian. At the weekend, I was at a conference at my church and this lady from Manchester gave me a key. She said, and I believe that the key in my bag is going to open that cupboard. So I'm like, I can't. I can't bear to hear the rest of this story. She's telling me this story, thinking, what is the outcome? So she gets the key out of her bag, walks across the classroom, and all the kids are watching the teacher, and she puts the key in the cupboard that the key has been lost, and it opens the cupboard, and the door swings wide open, and all the kids go, like this, Miss, that's amazing. She said, yeah, that's God's. God's given me this key. It's like a little, little, little miracle of uh, opening up a cupboard. I've never heard any miracle like that before either. This is really, really unusual. Um, and the thing is, that has really, obviously, that really powerfully in, impacted me as well, like the key on the screen. But the thing is this, God has given you a key, not only to open up a cupboard, but to open up a community to open up a person's life, a person who might be locked, feel locked up, and they don't know why they're here. They don't know what their purpose is, but they're keys that will unlock. And I've got, like, since this time, we've got about 20 or 30 key stories that are just absolutely crazy of what God's done. I haven't got time to tell you about. Absolutely incredible. But here in Isaiah 61, we've got a divine exchange. We've got beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, and garment instead of a spirit of despair garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair and I want to really concentrate on the garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair but just to say God does give us beauty for ashes the things that are broken in our lives the things that are um, that we're mourning over the things that we've lost whether that's people that we've lost or whether that's um, loss of identity loss of purpose God is constantly replacing with beauty. And um, there's a story of a lady called Caroline. I think there's a photograph of her on the screen. And this is a lady who lives next door to a church in a place called Break Met in Bolton. She um, has given me permission to share her story, and I've put her story in one of my books. Um, she lived next door to the church. She's got six kids to six different um, men who have all, she's been the victim of domestic violence all her life. Her dad used to lock her in a cupboard underneath the stairs in the dark when she was younger. She's had so many horrible experiences. And then often what happens when when women or men are trapped in that kind of lifestyle, it often leads them to keep on making those kinds of choices, as you know, because it's a cycle. 
and, and domestic violence at the moment is absolutely huge. There's one in four people, um, and one in six men actually are going to experience domestic violence in their life, but one in four or one in three women. So it's a huge, huge thing that God wants to set people free from. And this lady lived next door to the church, but she'd never been in the church. And one day, Mandy, who led the church, saw her walking past. She said, would you like to come and have a look round? And, and Caroline said, I'm not good enough to go into a church. And she went in, she had a look round, and the, 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 to cut the long story short, she became one of their um, uh, team who ran the after-school club that they do at that Every day they do a breakfast club because a lot of the kids don't have breakfast before they go to school. That's really a thing in the UK, kids not having breakfast. And then every night they would open up the church for toast and and hot chocolate and things like that for the kids coming out of school. And Caroline became one of their team. Uh, Gone from saying, I'm not worth anything I've never been given any responsibility before. She said, do you mean you would let me run the tuck shop and have the cash tin? And Mandy said, yeah, I trust you to do that. And her life is now totally transformed. She's become a Christian and she's part of the team at the church. Beauty for Ashes. And then there's another Beauty for Ashes story of this young boy, the next photograph, who is... um, in blue, his dad's in prison, his brother's in prison, he started to go into a life of crime and then he got invited by a church to an after-school uh, cafe that we run in Stockport called a Rock Cafe. He made best friends with PCSO John Gallagher, police officer who's standing behind him on the screen. John Gallagher would give his time when he was off duty to go down to that club to play pool with the kids made friends with this young boy. Um, A few weeks later, he said, I want to become a police officer. When you think his dad's in prison, his brother's in prison, he wants to become a police officer. I think that might cause quite a bit of trouble at home. And he said, it's the living room I don't have at home. So when you do youth work, and I heard Sue saying, and by the way, I commend you for doing it on a Friday night because most youth clubs in churches will run early in the week and it's actually Friday night, the police are telling us, is the most important night to run youth clubs. So Friday night, that's brilliant that you're doing that. I know you're giving up your weekend time, those of you that are doing it, but well done because that's, that is incredible. I want to then just go to the garment of praise uh, instead of the the garment of praise for despair or heaviness. And just say, and I I know the worship team are really going to agree with me about this. Do you know that praise is a weapon? So there's a divine exchange takes place when we choose to praise Jesus in every circumstance of our lives. And let's be really, really honest and not be fake. There are days where we don't feel like praising Jesus. Yeah, you you might have had a really tough week. You may have really difficult situations going on in your life. In our church, um, a 12-year-old boy lost his battle with cancer on Friday. We've been praying for him for a year. 
and sadly gone to be with Jesus. And that par- those parents have now got to go through the pain of losing a child, probably one of the most difficult things that could ever happen in your life. And some of you will have pain. Some of you have had loss. Some of you may be going through a battle situation right now. Um, in my book, um, the new book, I've written a chapter called Battle Stations. My, my best friend Wendy's got two brain tumours. She was told she had days to live two years ago. She's still here. So there are times where the Holy Spirit comes and heals and transforms. But no matter what, praise is a weapon. And I just want to share a little bit about that with you, about praise being a weapon. By telling you a personal story about my other son, Josh. I've told you about Matthew that I'm praying for at the moment. My other son, Josh... In, on the left there, when, when he was 18, and my daughter Sarah on the right, my eldest daughter and myself, we've got four kids, two girls and two boys. When Josh was about 17, he started to go off the rails. Now, I don't know whether any of you have that situation going on with grandkids, with kids, with, with partners, but he started to lose his faith. He's a pastor's kid. You know, it's a difficult thing. He's been brought up in church. He was preaching when he was 13 years old, playing drums in the worship band, a full-on Christian. When he was a little boy, we really felt God say he was going to become an evangelist. But when he was 17, he got in with the wrong crowd. Be careful who you keep company with. In the Bible, it says iron sharpens iron. And if you start to spend time with people who don't have the same values as you, it can have a knock-on effect on the choices that you make in life. Which is right, it's really important who we have as our close people that we're accountable to, who we have around us. So he goes off the rails. He was going out drinking every day. He dropped out of college He started working at a call centre. We knew he wasn't meant to be working in this call centre. He was going out every day. But more than that, his personality changed. He became unhappy. He was angry. He didn't want to talk to you anymore. He was moody. He was downcast. And he was, we couldn't have any sensible conversation with him at all. So what did we do? We started to pray. Prayer is a powerful first step when you want to see transformation in a particular life. If you've got a child or a a partner who doesn't want to know about the things of God, pray for them while they're asleep. They don't know about it. Um, I used to go into his room and pray over his things and all sorts. I don't think he knew that I was doing that. So I got back from a conference one weekend and there was two police officers knocking at my door and they'd come to arrest our son, Josh. Um, he'd been in town the night before. They threw a, threw a brick through a local shop in the town and all his friends ran away, his so-called friends, and he was arrested. And they came around to get him from the house the next day. And like... That was probably one of the lowest points of my life. My son has been arrested. Frank was away away at the time. I had to ring my husband and say, Josh has just been arrested. And we were absolutely at our lowest point. And my daughter, who is a worship leader, came round to the house. And she knocked on the door and I let her in. And she saw how upset I was. And she said, 
I told her what had happened. Your brother's been arrested. And she said, Mum, why aren't you praying? And I'm like, you cheeky madam. <laughs> reminding me of all the things that I've told you. You know, you're half my age and you're, you're challenging me to pray. You know, you've written books about prayer. Why aren't you praying? She was right. And she grabbed me and we went into the conservatory at our house. And she said, we are going to pray and we are going to worship until something changes. And she was right. And she she pushed me into a place of believing God and trusting God no matter what. We didn't know where Josh was. We didn't know what was going to happen to him. But we were going to pray. Praise is a weapon. And we started to worship in just the two of us, the prayer of agreement, where two are gathered in my name, Matthew, Matthew 19, I will be with you, where two or three of you gather in my name, there I am. So it doesn't, doesn't need a whole lot of people, it was just the two of us praising, worshipping, got my journal out, what prophetic words did we have for Josh when he was a young boy, he was going to be an evangelist, what's happened to him? God, the enemy's stealing something away from us. And we got to the point in praise where something rose up within, called the gift of faith, or it's where you absolutely know that the Holy Spirit is there and he's going to change the situation around. And basically, I was able to walk into the enemy camp and say, you are not having our son. I, I, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to take you on. You're not having our son. You, you're trying to steal, kill and destroy that which is ours and you are not having it. God is bigger. God is greater. God is more powerful. Praise is going to take back what has been stolen. And that's what happened to me. It was just like a gift of faith. On the Monday morning, this was the Friday, on the Monday morning, um, my husband Frank went down to the court with Josh. He'd been locked up for the weekend in a, in a police cell in Longsight. And he went down to court and he was given a conditional discharge. He had to wear a tag. Uh, he was given a conditional discharge um, because it was his first offence. And he came home. And he walked through the door. And he just fell on the floor in the hallway and started to sob like a baby. He said, Mum, I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? I said, yeah, of course we're going to forgive you. You're our son. He said, no, I really, I've blown it. He said, Mum, I don't know where I've been this last few months. And we basically, we'd got our son back. Something had happened to him. And I said, but Josh, tell me what happened to you. He said, well, on the Saturday, I was in this police cell in Longsight. And he said, it was really dark. It was really cold. He said, I was really afraid. And I got down on my knees and I said to Jesus, if you give me another chance, I'm going to serve you for the rest of my days. And I'm going to tell other people about you. I'm going to tell everybody about you, Jesus. And he said, as he said that, there was a light in the cell. And he said, it's a bit like the Acts of the Apostles. And he said he felt a presence standing behind him saying, I'm with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you in this situation. It could only have been Jesus. And then he said, thank you for coming to pray and sing outside the police cell. And I'm like, no. 
We, we didn't even know where you were taken, you know. We weren't singing anywhere. He said, yeah, mum, I know your voice. I know your voice and another voice. Two voices that I recognize singing outside the cell. And I'm like, no. And then I suddenly realized what had happened. The miracle that had happened was that when he called out to God on his knees, that he was on his own, that he was afraid, the father started singing over him in voice that he could recognize his, his mum and his sister. How amazing is that? And like, it, it, it got me as a parent, and just speak to the parents in here and the grandparents. You can't be with your kids 24-7. There comes a point where you may don't even know where they are. They're out and they, they may be out, spiritually out. Far away like a prodigal. But Holy Spirit is with them 24-7 when you're not with them. And the best thing you can do is pray and pray and praise and worship. And the, the weapon of your warfare is praise. And his worship, because Jesus Christ is actually singing over them in that situation until such as a point they can hear him, because it's their choice. And he made that choice. And, um, like, that was 10 years ago. So now he is in a band called Social Beings. That's him on the left with a guy called Ryan, who's an American evangelist. They're evangelists. They're in Germany right now preaching the gospel. Over 1,000 young people have given their life to Jesus in the last year through their ministry. He's married to a Christian teacher called Emma. They've got three Christian children who, well, one of them's not quite a Christian yet, but they've got Liberty Joy, who's five. They've got Simeon, who's, who's three, who've all both given their life to Jesus and then they've got a little baby she's not quite ready to give her life to Jesus yet she's called Hallie Rose Hallelujah Rose how different would his life have been if he hadn't been on that day when he had that encounter in the police cell it doesn't matter how low your friend has gone away from the Lord or your kid or your grandkid I've got seven grandchildren now and I'm just praying over their lives and singing over their lives because Jesus has got a bigger plan and a purpose and the power of God is at work so praise God, for, praise Jesus for what he did. I'll just share you one more story about this lady called Christina. Um, does anybody know a band called 1224 from the Message Trust? That's what they were called. I'm looking at the young people because it's rapping. You might like it a bit more than the adults. Don't like rapping. No. What's your kind of music? Go on, tell me. So what's your favourite band? I'm going to get the mic. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift, did you say? Taylor Swift. Right, bro. Well, some of you might like rapping. And so it, the band was called 1224, and it's changed its name to Social Beings, my son's band. So you can go on YouTube and see them. If you want to see them, you might like it. Um, so this is a lady called Christina who I met in Dover when I was speaking at a conference there a couple of years ago. 
And she came up to me at the end and, and asked me if she could share her story with me. And she said to me that the year before she'd been at a church called Glowgen Church, led by a guy called Mike Andrea. And I was preaching and um, she had four kids with her um, who were foster kids, two on the right of her and two on the left of her. And she just was really ready to throw the towel in because her husband's not a Christian. The four kids didn't want to go to church anymore. She was just battling with even going to church on a Sunday morning. It can be tough. And partway through my message, I put on a song of my son's band, 1224, and it's called Higher, the song. And she came to the point, and some of you are nodding because you've heard that song. It's called Higher. You can, re- you can listen to it on YouTube. And um, halfway, she came to the point where she said to the Lord, I am not going to church again. She said, it's just too difficult. Some of you might have been having those kind of thoughts when you're going through a difficult situation. You feel like, I don't want to worship anymore. I don't want to go to church anymore. It's not a good decision. And she just came to the point where she said, I am not going to church anymore. My husband doesn't want to come. My kids don't want to come. I'm just in a battle every week. Can't even get them to sit still. And halfway through the song, Higher, there's a lyric that says, Christina, take them to church. Seriously, there's a lyric in the song. Halfway through the song, I'm playing it on the Sunday morning. It says, Christina, take them to church. And she's just said the minute before, I'm not taking them to church anymore. And she's called Christina. How, how, how good is that? So because of that, and this is just some random rapping song that I've put on of my son. My son's so encouraged when I told him this story. She decides, I've got to keep taking them, right? Even though it's difficult, God's just spoken to me and said, keep going to church. It's amazing. Maybe some of you have been thinking, throw the towel in on church. Don't do it. Don't do it because when you're in praise, when you're in worship, when you're in people that love you, When people sing happy birthday to you and it's a whole church, not just your family, it's worth being here. God's speaking to you prophetically when you're in church. It's good. good. Don't neglect coming to the house of God. It's a good thing to do even when life is tough. So she carries on bringing them. The year later, we're in Dover and she's telling me this story. She said, Deborah, I want you to know that two months after that song was played in my church, Two of my foster kids gave, gave their life to Jesus Christ. Two months after that, the other two gave their life to Jesus. And I want you to know that today, all four of my kids are being baptized in the sea, and my husband's coming. Take them to church. Take them to church. As parents, taking them to church. If they won't come, pray over them when they're asleep. If they still won't come, Worship and praise, put it on in the house. Something is going to take hold when you make praise a weapon. The spiritual battles that you're in, you can win them because Jesus Christ is bigger over them, over that situation, through prayer, through praise, the divine exchange. So 
the band come back up and let's just be open to what Holy Spirit wants to do amongst us. There could be somebody here that's saying, actually, I've been miles away. I've, I've been sat here in church every week and I'm not even really engaging with Jesus right now. If we would just all close our eyes, I'd like to just ask if there's anybody here that wants to recommit their life to Jesus today. Or give the light to Jesus because something that I've said has touched you. And you've realized you've started to wander away. Getting in with the, with the wrong crowd. Leading a double life. Being one thing when you're in church and one thing when you're at school. Or one thing when you're at home and one thing when you're in church. Just as we have every, every head bowed, every eye closed. If that is you and you want me to pray for you, would you just raise a hand? I don't know, thank you. I won't say who you are, just pray over you. Anybody else? Yes, thank you. Thank you. Three people. So in the name of Jesus, I bless four people today who've raised their hand and say, in Jesus' name, he's seen your hand. He knows your name. And even if you've not had the courage to raise a hand, five people, Jesus knows your name. He's got a purpose and a plan. Praise is a weapon. Praise is a weapon. Praise him, praise him, praise him. Choose prayer, choose praise. God can move the mountains. Thank you, bless you. And also, if any of you have got kids away from the Lord right now, or grandkids, or loved ones, I just want you to know Jesus is pursuing them. He's pursuing them, and he won't let go. He will never, ever let go. He will never leave you nor forsake you. We had that scripture earlier. Just only be strong and very courageous and pray. And pray them in. So come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Jesus' name. Just tell Jesus what you want him to do for you today and he'll do it. Tell Jesus... Ask him. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Jesus' name. For more information about our church or to access more of our resources, please visit thefreedomcentre.com.